Good morning. Welcome. Okay, she's like, we're transitioning, but not. not. Okay, I'm also, because I don't have. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to another beautiful episode of Lady Blurred Sings the Blues. Um, you got me, your girl Kylie, too smart. And of course, our wonderful. Like multi hat wearing, could not survive without her. Do, 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 do. Sometimes, yes. Be and my microphone's not open, so no one heard what I said. Oh, she sometimes goes by sometimes. Be she is our technical difficulties genius hack extraordinaire person. Um, yes, everything that we see engineering wise, production wise. Could not happen without her. So huzzah, we are here. We're awake. Um, some of us have had coffee. I don't know. V, did you have coffee this morning? No, not yet. <laughs> oh, so you're getting a highly caffeinated, sugar sensitive, Kylie too smart, <laughs> a non-caffeinated, dealing with the OBS struggles. Sometimes we love it. Yeah, tell us about um, your week. Yeah. My week, my week uh, has been busy. Um, definitely enjoyed having um, more of my work be closer to home. <laughs> I, I used to have to commute all the time. And now I have found like, even though I'm still commuting like two days out of the week, it's, it's so much better. Um, so building that rapport here, tapping in with the community has been um, more of my local jam, my local vibe as of late. And um, going along with that, uh, my brother came into town from Hawaii and uh, he got to play at a, like a Blues in the Park-esque type event. Um, the Seaside Classic Car Shows were there. They had a few vendors that were there. Um, and it was just nice. It felt more like a family reunion because it was smaller. It wasn't like promo as heavy, but um, just to see like all the uh, like old black seaside families was really nice. Um, great food, great energy. Just seeing like kids running around and like laughing and playing and like we all had our chairs set up and there was plenty of space for everybody to just like, have their own space. Mm -hmm. And so I, I didn't feel overwhelmed by like a massive crowd or anything. Uh, and it was just, it was just a chill day. Uh, it kind of also made me realize or take, take a step at some of the, the growth mm -hmm. that's been going on mm -hmm. just within myself personally with like holding boundaries, having conversations. And then physically, I was like, my stamina has been increasing. I was out on that playground running with the children. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was like, it was a, like a peak auntie time. And um, more than that, it's um, feeling the need to be that stable adult for the up and coming generation that really needs it. Like I look around at the generations that came before me and some of the struggles that they went through and how they coped. And a lot of the times it's like, if you are stressed and you're choosing whatever it is, right? Whatever you're using to, to cope with the stressors of life, 
with being an oppressed people, with all of the inequities that come along with that, um, it's really easy to fall into a downward spiral. And then the next generation, they don't get any of the positive sides of you. They don't get any of the light of you. They don't get any of the growth. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really damaging and you can see it in how people interact. And I forget like how malleable children are because, yeah. you know, you can have a group of kids and, you know, they're arguing or they're speaking negatively to one another. And it really just takes like one person to just gently be like, hey, why are you like, why are we acting this way? Or why would you speak this way? Or, oh, you know, that hurts. And like, see just some interjection into like ways of problem solving, ways of communicating and see the same group of kids go from like bickering and arguing to like fully engaged in like some great imagination play and they're just running around and having fun and now they're building friendships and now they're not feeling like they have to fight over things like so that's really um something that I've been like excited to do and excited to be a part of especially since I have so many kids that are here in my area that could use an adult that has the time, the patience, the energy, the capacity, the positive energy, the positive energy um, to give that. And so I was like, oh, this is another one of those like, ha, ah, blessed and stressed moments. Like, <laughs> all the stress is worth the blessings. <laughs> yes, I agree. I think, um, how do I put this? I've noticed with working with children is very challenging. It's not as easy as people like to make it sound like. I think it's an act of responsibility um, when you are a parent, but also a community member who is in the educational field. Um, I think from my scope as being a teacher, it was tricky to work with kids, not because like it was just the child themselves, but it was also their parents would intervene with behavior that is not palatable to what today's standards should be. Um, and so they would be upset if I were to talk about, you know, the, the positive way of just being your authentic self. Like, who cares if you end up being queer or just having um, an identity, a sense of creativity with your identity. Some parents will get upset about that being like, nope, they're binary. Nope, they they are a boy, they must wear pants. If they are a girl, they can wear a skirt. It was just things that I would endure with that. And so with having like those foundational like mindsets, it encourages other types of overarching behavior, which could be negative. Um, like yelling at each other, fighting, duking it out, like, and it, it's definitely like a hometown thing where I used to see people like resolve their issues through hurting each other. And I don't think there's even a true resolution of your issue. Um, and so, yes, I'm just taking back of what you're saying. And these are things I don't miss about home because I don't think it's something that's been happening lately because I've been out of the scope, but also like, I grew up with a lot of neighborhood trauma because like, oh, you want to start some mess? I'm going to hit you. Or you want to start some mess? I want to like take 
like throw sand at your face or hurt you or hurt you to show that I actually appreciate you, which not the vibe, really not the vibe. So yes, I was just piggybacking off of what you're saying. Yeah. But I hope the car show was fun. I mean, otherwise, right? What kind of cars did you see? Um, I'm the like worst person to ask about that because I'm not a car person, like at all. I'm not a vehicle person. I'm like, oh, that looks pretty. And I definitely can appreciate the art, like the artistry and the paints in these classic vehicles. I'm just like, oh, these cars are so very pretty. Do I know what they are? Absolutely not. I, nah, like that's just a slice of the culture that nope. I am not privy to never have been like i was never the kid who could like tell you what model or like what because i know people who are like the like down to the gear they can tell you what the modifications are they can tell you like all about like the different changes that happen between the models and i was like i i can tell you nothing it has four wheels maybe they have four doors they were long and boxy classic classic Yes. Um, no, I'm the same way. I'm just like, that's nice. I can tell that was like, you know, a lady killer back in the day. Um, <laughs> but I'm not really a car person. I can tell you where I need my oil changed. I can tell you, like, um, I can tell you which part of my car might be broken. Um, right. <laughs> and then I have folks. I have folks who will just like talk shop with me, and I'm like, I don't know anything about this car. I just know that the last time it broke it was this or the last time i had experience like this it was this or i know my tire pressure is low that's why i'm here so that way we can take care of it because like i just need to like put some air in there but for some reason the air is not staying so can you check to see if there's a hole in my tire please and thank uh, you <laughs> plus like um i love that we're like talking cars as women um because oh, no. of, yeah, it's a whole stereotype. <laughs> it's a whole stereotype. Because like, actually, like, there are a few things that I can do mechanically to fix my car, right? And I was just like, oh, proud of those skills. Um, but I recently just had another discussion with a friend who is taking a course um, and doing like labs for car work because as a woman, she was just tired of getting gypped all the time by mechanics. <laughs> you know, like being like, oh, you're a lady, you won't know the difference and we'll just charge you X, Y, Z. Um, and it's like, I still feel like that sometimes because like, I'll take my car to go get like my oil changed and stuff. And they're like, oh yeah, it's like 180 for all these services. And I was like, there's no way. There's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no freaking way. No I was like, an oil change of like 40 bucks, tire no. rotating, like what? How do you figure that we, they're like, well, the synthetic oil. I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no. If wants to talk to me about synthetic oil versus just conventional, please do, because someone told me if I switch to synthetic, I can't go back. <laughs> right? That's so I've been scared to change. They're like, but it's better for your car. I'm like, yeah, but do I want to pop like 150 faulty ass dollars to change my oil when every other man that is close to me tells me that I should just change my own oil, which I'm terrified to lift that car underneath me, by the way. So like, <laughs> I just rather, I just rather have the professional do it just to be safe. Right. Like it's not that hard. I'm like, I know people who actually got really hurt by just doing simple things like that. So I'd rather 
As someone who's an amateur in this, I'd rather not explore that area. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I like all my limbs where they are. Um, also, like these modern vehicles, even if you actually like done the work, it, there's so much electrical components and like programming to resetting things and tracking mileage. I'm just like, even if I did change my own oil, my car would still tell me that it's time for an oil change based off my mileage because I don't have the capacity to like reset it electronically. Yeah. So that was my week. That was how, that was, how was your week? Uh, how was my week? I did a lot of things this week. Yes. I don't remember the things I did this week. I didn't do anything like crazy. Um, crazy. Well, you couldn't do anything crazy because it's on fire out there and it's like oh, smoking. Yeah. It's how so how smoky was it Yeah, like it looks like it's supposed to be foggy, but it's not foggy. It's smoky. I actually walked outside and tasted ash and went, hmm time to go back inside because the things that I do not do are smoke. Wicked <laughs> <laughs> ash, sucker. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, uh, didn't I go somewhere? Did I talk about packs already? Mm -mm. I didn't talk you didn't, about packs. You didn't oh, really yeah, get to I talk about packs. Yeah. So PAX West was fun. Um, PAX, I don't know what the acronym for PAX is, but I think it's something, something expo. Pacific Anime Expo. Is that what it's called? I'm going to fact check that real quick. <laughs> fact check, fact check. So I went to Fax West, West and it was, it was good. Um, I really, but it's not anime, it's all video games. So I don't think it's an anime festival. If anybody wants to check me here, I'm, I'm here for it. I, I know we got some uh, Pacific Northwesterns here in the chat. So um, please, please do. Um, so yeah, I went to Pax. It was really fun. Um, Lots and lots of ex exhibitions of different video games from Rogue to Bandai to Nintendo. Uh, Sega was there. Xbox was there. All of them were there. They were all there. Um, Fan Gamer was there. Like I bought some merch, merch from Fan Gamer, which I'm actually wearing one of the shirts right now. Ooh, ooh, ooh pretty. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody can see it, but I, I do love this game called Hades, which you can play on your PC or you can play it on uh, your Switch if you're feeling some type of way. And maybe your PlayStation. I don't know. I just never played it on PlayStation. So uh, it's a good game. It's a, it's a rogue style. Um, is it called rogue style game? I don't know. Whenever the character dies and you have to start all over again. Yes. So <laughs> um, I bought some merch with... Um, it's... The merch is, is there. Uh, they had some shirts there, and I was like, "Oh, I have to go get a shirt from Fan Gamer because, like, why not? Like, I'm here in the moment. It's like Disneyland where, you, like, you get your Mickey Mouse ears. I have to get the merch here because, like, why not? So, um, I didn't have a chance to play any video games because all the little stations I wanted to play, they were all like looped around like each expo, like each each little like station. So, like, I didn't have a chance to like sit for like a two hour line to play a video game, but it was really nice to see like what was there because I've never been to PAX. I just wanted to check things out, see how that went, and then um, kind of strategize on how I wanted to optimize for the next time. Um, hopefully, but there's a next time. <laughs> um, there were a few nonprofits there that I did uh, check out um, and uh, the, the name of them are kind of escaping the life of me, but I probably will promote them on the social medias. 
Um, but they, it was kind of cool to see that this um, event invited nonprofits to kind of talk about like disparities in gaming, uh, which are very, very, very uh, visible when you just go to a main like video game thing and all you see is all these different white guys and not enough diversity. <laughs> and so right. even, even being a woman in these spaces is like very like, we're there, but it's, it's not in the same capacity as the others. And so there were nonprofits there to kind of represent that, to alleviate that. One of the, um, one of the nonprofits was, was very centered in queer gaming or esports, queer esports, which was really cool. Um, another one was about trans um, support. Um, so if you are a trans person who's looking for support, you call a hotline and they will give you some advice or insurance or whatever you need on the call to feel more, um, you know, comfortable and reassured as, as somebody who's kind of going through their transition and their identity. Um, and so those are just kind of naming the few things that were going on uh, that, that were there for those nonprofits. And then Xbox also had a stand there, but they had a, they had a nonprofit stand there for just how to make gaming accessible. And so they had these different joysticks that were a little bit bigger. So in case of like someone who does not have the, like, the same mobility as somebody who uses a small controller, uh, you can use a bigger controller to kind of help navigate a little bit around. And it sounds silly because you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why do they need things bigger? Or why do folks who are disabled need bigger items? And it's like, it, it's just trying to accommodate for like beyond what we already have because our controls are so small and like very like refined. So it's like easy clicking where it's like someone can't really like casually play. And so if you're somebody who has maybe like a mobility issue or even somebody who might have a learning disability that holds you back, like the bigger buttons are there to help kind of comprehend a little bit more what's going on. So I thought that was really cool um, that Xbox kind of had a whole division accommodating that. Um, yeah. Because sometimes we think about like big, like video game companies are like evil. And then really it's like, no, we're trying to do a good thing. Even the guy who gave me his business card, he, his business card was in braille. And that was, something that like it's such a small detail but it's a big thing for me because I'm like that is so cool like you're, you're really going above and beyond to make sure that folks can contact you about these accommodations that that have been designed here and so you're trying to make it known that these things exist kudos to you thank you for just being the superheroes in the video game world <laughs> oh that's so great <laughs> yeah so that was kind of like my PAX experience but other than that I don't remember anything else I've done in the week it's it's been like a whole whirlwind. <laughs> so yeah, let's go ahead and move along. I'm gonna go ahead and break down the music. My makeup is like very itchy. I might have to get new makeup. It's probably done. Makeup. It's done. The makeup is done. The makeup is done. <laughs> so let's go oh my god. Power Wisdom Courage segment. Uh, this week we're gonna kind of brush up on owning up to mistakes. Um, there is a bigger discourse here that Miss um, Prowess. Oh, by the way, Prowess is not here. Prowess is not here. P is not here with us today. We are so rude. We didn't even say like we miss her. We do. Sure. We do like, miss her. We always miss her. I think we're so obsessed with. Yeah, I'm gonna say fuck this makeup because it's really making my eyes arch. Like I'm really sad. No. 
I can hear Nathan on the chat being like, girl, do not touch your makeup. And I'm like, don't touch your makeup. Don't rub your eyes. I think it's actually like really hurting my eyes. So I have to like wipe it off a little bit later. Yeah. Wipe it off. We can do it. Uh, Fun fact for um, the men in the chat, makeup does expire. Um, I think the palette that I have is a little over a year old. I might need to throw it out. Throw it away. Yeah. Yes. Um, Yes. Sometimes makeup will hold on to it like old socks. Like we don't want to throw it away. And then when it depends for me, like if it's um, oil based, if you know what I mean, what it is, because if it's like powders, some powders like will just last longer and will be better than others. But some like, especially like liquid liners and things like that, where it's like wet and possibly, you know, breaking down i actually like, might have curdling. to take a, i actually might have to take a break real quick and like ma'am take off. a break your it's eyeliner really is curdled. hurting me <laughs> no we are not a fan of this we are a fan of comfort and health over looks. oh my god kyla can you hold it down real quick i'm yes, actually I can. i'm Please really about to cry and the thighs don't match she's like oh yes don't leave it in kylie's hand we're gonna take it to a whole other place speaking of um choosing beauty over comfort or beauty over safety can we just not can we please not um i think again something about living in the you know avatar that you're given um and appreciating what you have to move through the world a lot of the choices that we make for ourselves are not even for our own comfort or for our own self-expression, but literally just because we want people to not treat us like shit. And instead of, you know, addressing the fact that, hey, maybe we should stop treating people like shit for not, you know, conforming to like one style of imaginary mix match bodies that doesn't actually exist in nature or that does exist in nature, but it's not your natural genetics, that maybe um, you should, I don't know, find alternative ways to address those issues and those like internalized. Girl, you got serious? What happened? Yes, we got serious. Because I was like, we're gonna stop choosing um, discomfort over health and safety when it comes to beauty. You know what I mean? I've been spending a long time. (laughs) I raised Klopp's comment, by the way. Oh my god, I borrowed a friend's makeup once and it smelled like feet and gave me a sty. No! Not, not an eyesit. Eyeliners, mascaras, no, these things are not shareable. Just like toothbrushes, we ain't about that life. We're not about it. No. Okay. So crisis sort of averted. I, w- I took everything off that was bothering me in the areas that were. So it was like the corners of my eyes right here and the insides. Oh, don't cry, B. Yeah. Okay, but the makeup remover I use is a little like if you stick it in your eye too much, like it makes everything cloudy, so I can't see shit. <laughs> Wait, your makeup remover way makes your eyes cloudy, is it? Hmm. I wonder about the makeup remover wipes sometimes. Oh, it I was wasn't the wipes; one. it was the liquid. Oh, the like, liquid, like the like micellar water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I was like, did you just chemical burn your eyeball no. trying to remove your makeup? Like it's no. just a morning welcome <laughs> to lady flares sings the blues we miss prowess the testament we miss her she she gathers us all together come now gather 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 what's up Don't baby use that makeup. take use me out makeup. the day. <laughs>
dear lord. Oh. Okay. Well, um, yes. Uh, so owning up to seriousness. <laughs> no, do not sacrifice beauty for pain. Do not do it. Um, unless you're one of those ladies that like, you know, those ladies that will like put in like hooks in their back and like hang Ooh, as like yes. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Then I guess that's appropriate. But other than that, if you're some standard person who doesn't do that and just wants to wear makeup, just to wear makeup. <laughs> I just did not. I'm trying to call people basic. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. If you're just a basic. If you're just a basic bitch and you don't put I, hooks in your back. If you're not a fish. <laughs> I am a fish. Um, I, yeah. Yes. We stand. I've just been watching also just like a lot of like the botch surgeries and like the BBL horror stories. So it's been fresh on my mind of just like, stop, stop it. Those BBL sort, those BBL things, everyone's like, I'm just going to do me. I'm like, that's fine, hunty. But like, why do you look like a turkey on Thanksgiving day? Like, please fill out those calves. Like you look, I, I don't know. Hmm. See, I, it's not fine, hunty, because I'm like, you literally, that's like, you risked, you risked death. But, yeah, I say it's fine because people are subjected to their own decisions. So when they do stupid things, I'm like, it's fine just as long as you, you thought it was fine. And that's what you got to live with now, because now you have to make it fine. <sighs> but it's all, I like, think it's it's a, because... I think it, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I think I'm at a weird point in my life where it's like, I've just stopped giving people advice. Because <laughs> people are just going to do what they're going to do. I will. I mean, yeah, they're going to do what you're going to do. Break the fourth I, wall here. Don't listen to our podcast. It's don't all advice and opinions. Like, don't look good. We have opinions and they, they are, they are our opinions for sure. Um, I just, oh God, like, it just hurts with the, because I, like I said, I've been hanging around with the, the younger, the young ones, the niblets, they're like, you know, 10, 11, and they're already talking about filler this, and like, I'm like, no, stop. Stop putting filler on, like, the filler thing cracks me up, because I'm like. Or like, I'm... wanting bodies like Nicki Minaj, and like, wanting bodies like Cardi B, and I'm just like, yeah, but also, it's like, you that's when it's like, what, what, at what age is it appropriate to start having the larger conversations around, like, why they've built their bodies that way for the careers that they have, what it means for them monetarily, what it is to be um, like objective to build, yeah, your the image. The touch-ups, because no one talks about that. A lot of these women do touch-ups. Like Nikki does touch-ups. There's been plenty of times where I've seen Nikki with a smaller ass, and there's been other times where I've seen Nikki with a more bloated ass, and I'm just like, she's doing touch-ups. Same thing with with little Kim. Oh, little yeah. Kim, oh, little Kim breaks my heart. Yeah, because like, it's like on top of that, it's like you see the lack of like, and especially as a the career that I'm in now, like health and holistic care, and like keeping your body up to like improve your quality of life as you're older. Like when you're out of the work field, the goal is to be able to retire and to enjoy life. And if you if what you did to get you through to that point, like actually will limit your range of motion and will decrease your health. Like there's just risks. Man. Yes. Yes. Not worth All right. Current events, what? owning up to your mistakes. It's not really a current event. It's just a concept. Let's go. So, Tabula Rasa. 
Tabula rasa. What does tabula rasa mean, Kylie? Tabula rasa literally means a clean slate. Um, and I think everybody has gone through growth and has wished for at some point that you could start over, has wished to be like, all right, I, I, I want to wipe the slate clean and just with the lessons that I've learned, move forward. So how do we do that? And is there an ethical way to wipe the slate clean? Wipe the slate clean um, or not? I think for me, it starts with repatternizing your behavior. So I think that's step one is like working towards repatternizing your behavior. So it's like, sure, like, let's say I say very offensive words because it was an offensive word that I used to say as a kid all the time. And I would just keep saying it. And then like at one point you realize the larger discourse of that word is actually offensive. It harms a group of people and your contribution to that word. Sure, you're an individual using it, but disproportionately that word comes from a place of harm. So with all being said, when you understand that, and even though you could just be like, well, I'm not using that word because because like that's what the that's what the definition means because like anecdotally that's gay <laughs> that is that is gay that's queer um, yeah but when we're using that without realizing that it has negative connotations to it like it hurts people who identify with that so what do you do as somebody who checks you someone who might check you being like hey that's actually not cool that you say it like that uh it really hurts my feelings and it really hurts the feelings of other people even though i i as an individual user of that word don't know those people and why should i care so if i've been checked and i actually do care because i do <laughs> i'm gonna repatternize my words and either stop using that word or find an adjective to describe the negative situation that I'm seeing and making sure that I'm very making a very conscious effort to avoid using that word. Mistake Ooh. done. Yes. Now, if it was one of those things where I pop off at the person who tried to check me because of ego, and then it creates a larger mistake between people that I know and love and creates this like tension between different groups of like social groups, then obviously as a person who refuses to acknowledge that, I will be shunned from those groups. I will not be considered as part of those groups. No one wants to hang out with me. No, people will say that I'm a bigot, inconsiderate, uh, homophobe, like call it all that. So like, what do I do if I get to that extreme point as a person to rectify what I've done. And no matter what you've done, I think you just have to make sure that you really think deeply within yourself to figure out like, how do I change myself for the better? Not to change yourself because someone told you something, but change yourself, like really reconsider all the facts. Like this is why, this is why, this is why. And then go on being like, okay, now I need to show different patterns to show that I'm not trying to be actively a homophobic, actively homophobic but to make up for the fact that my ego took over for somebody's consideration, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Kylie, please lean in. I see you're trying to say yeah. something. I'm like, um, no, you, you had um, like kind of hit the nail on the head, but also 
the the idea of feelings right and i've noticed this more because we are women um that would we tend to start more statement statements with i feel mm-hmm. right instead of saying oh like this is and i think we uh are kind of trained earlier on to take a stance that is less aggressive right um especially when it comes to facking fact backing fracking to fact checking someone (laughs) um so but then the the response that i've heard most commonly from men is that oh well women are talking about feelings i'm talking about facts and facts over feelings right uh, and not realizing that it eats yeah. me. Sorry, go ahead. I know. But because not realizing when people are saying, I feel, it is really just a polite way of not saying, you're wrong and this is why. Um, because I feel opens up a dialogue, right? And it's supposed to open up a dialogue and not necessarily jumpstart an argument. Um, I think if we could all get on the same page of that in terms of just like, accountability and discussion wise, like, great, because I've literally heard people be like, oh, well, feelings don't matter. Um, Which in a nation where we're talking about legislation, you know, someone might be more readily acceptable to hearing, oh, please don't use gay in this way, because it has led to XYZ. um, And like, these are the facts, instead of being like, ah, and for some reason that's more acceptable or more palatable or more um, leveraged even as a as an ego check um, for someone to be like, oh, okay, well, this is not like a personal problem. This is a larger problem. And I think really that's what it is. Like people don't like to feel like they're personally <laughs> accountable for larger issues, but it's like, if you start out broad and then focus it in like, okay, so you see that this is a, a, a broad problem and here's how you're contributing which is literally saying the same thing. Yeah, It's yeah. saying the same thing. Can yeah. we get on the same page? It's saying the same thing. Yeah, whenever <laughs> someone tells me like feelings and facts, I'm like, where are you getting your facts from? Like, make sure the, the way that you're saying- like your facts. Yeah. No so, facts. I know. The way that you're coming across when you're like, I'm about facts. Like, I'm so stuck on that because it, it, it really bothers me because when someone says it, they're really trying to do it in a way to trump the argument to be like the more stronger person in the argument when we're just trying to have an open dialogue about what is going on. Um, And so, and I've only received that response in an aggressive tone. I've never received that response in something that is like gentle, kind, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, I'm just talking about facts. I'm like, okay, dude, usually dude. dude. Yeah, okay, dude, okay, person, yeah. better but, ladies, possibly. But yeah, owning up to mistakes. I think I think another thing is, like, I have often distanced myself from me seeing someone act a certain way or come across a certain way because it's not aligned with how I move as a person. And so... And sometimes it could be trending where it's like me and maybe like several other groups or it's me as an individual starting the trend or what feels like it's starting the trend. But then you learn later on that somebody who's not even adjacent to you is like, no, I know that person too. And that's how they act. (laughs) And so 
um, I'm curious to know, like, what strategies do you take as somebody who, who sees harmful behavior, which is a mistake or could be the, the precedent or the actual mistake and like, what, how much do you try to, to get to their sense, senses before you're just like, okay, they, they're lost in the sauce. Like I can't. Um, for me, it depends on how big the issue is, what the transgression is. Um, for some people, I know that what will keep people from like actually wanting to be accountable is the shame that goes along with the actions or the, um, the ignorance, you know, cause we're, we're in such an indoctrinated nation and the fact that not all of us are actually living in the same reality as far as like the tenability of our rules and social constructs of what is acceptable for one person to another, um, I think plays a large role. So for instance, if it's a discussion on racism and colonialism versus a discussion on like I don't know, personal preference for what looks good on fashion. Like there's just the sliding scale of importance for me and how much time and energy I'm willing to like put into correcting a person and whether or not it will like benefit them or benefit society as a whole. There's some things where I was like, oh, it's just like not worth the discussion. And I'll just like have to cut you off because like clearly like you're not even at a stage of being able to be self-aware of your actions and I don't have time. I'm yeah. not your mom. Yeah. I felt like when I was a lot younger that I was doing a lot of damage control. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of damage control when it came to like chasing after friends who are making gestures or have saying things that have created a sense of harm or they'll even maybe like not even saying or hurting feelings. It's even more so like this person got kicked out from, from their friend's house or got kicked out from their parents' house for, you know, selling dope or even like doing the five finger, five finger discount methods and stores. And so like they are creating these patterns that usually are what folks call a cry for help. And Mm -hmm. I've had to chase those folks some of those folks who I felt I had a close relationship with being like, what gives what's going on, but there's so much energy I can put in to seeing if there's a way for me to channel the behavior for them for improvement. It's sometimes like, it's not always your job to be that person because it can be exhausting. Um, it could be exhausting. It could be really defeating, especially if someone's not on the, on the whim to be willing to change. Um, and, I think the best thing I've ever done is like, I care, but like, I found myself only caring at a distance. Right. Um, I love that you said that you, you can care from a distance. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the, there's an aspect I think of like problem solving that defines a lot of like our personalities in the, in what we've had to like overcome in life. Right. So if I can recognize like, oh, okay, like kind of how you talked about with um, like the five finger discount or things that we might say are cries for help, but it's really like, all right, you have a problem that you're trying to solve and through either 
like your upbringing or what you think your options are, you know, that's how you make your choices. So sometimes it's really like sitting down with somebody and having a discussion of being like, hey, you may not be aware, but you, there are better ways, more effective ways for you to handle this problem. Mm-hmm. And here are some tools to help you handle that problem. I think that um, in and of itself is a great launching pad to having somebody be accountable of being like, oh, I, I was acting this way because it's what I've been shown and it's how I've always done it. And it probably doesn't even make them feel good inside, all right? I know for sure, like a lot of the behaviors that I had when I was younger, um, the, the violence, the fighting, the stealing, it was like literally because I was hungry, like, or I was starving. And I was like, I, didn't, I don't know how to solve this problem because I was a child. Mm-hmm. And having those discussions between childhood and adulthood and, um, going through that process of reprogramming in my mind, like, okay, so um, like the, these were the circumstances of you growing up and those were the behaviors that you had to have to survive. Mm-hmm. But you're an adult now and you get to make your own decisions and you get to solve these problems in a different way. Yeah. And sometimes it really boils down to um, temporary discomfort for a, a long-term success yeah in terms of like even how you decide to move morally uh and what's going to really make you happy and what's going to really make you be somebody that you would want to be around you yourself like i think there's just a lot of environments that we keep perpetuating because we're used to them but they they don't serve us well so here's a here's a more rough question um yeah the people in your life that you have the people in your life that you have shown the most harm to during these moments of of weakness are they obligated to return to you if you've found your own healing absolutely not um uh because my mom has grown up in recovery right i grew up a lo- around a lot of uh, meetings and hearing about working the 12 steps and making amends is one of those steps and making amends is one of the steps that so many people try to skip and you can't um and part of making amends is accepting the knowledge that the people that you hurt do not owe you forgiveness they don't owe you access back into their lives um you are there to literally just own up and to accept and recognize publicly to them uh if you can if they're still alive if they're still around if they're open to that um and it's that facing of that discomfort like that you're not running away from the problem that you're going to turn around and you're going to try and fix it and try and solve it and sometimes you can't but at least the fact that you didn't run right 100% And I figured you would answer along those lines because yeah, yeah, I don't think there's been times where I have shown harm to people and maybe those folks are not in my life right now and that's okay. Like I say that as okay because I accepted that I've made the mistake. I've committed to patterns to try to improve my behavior. However, 
um, if I reach out and say, like, if there's any way for me to make up or whatever language that comes off in, yeah. they don't respond to me. I'm not saying, like, good for them. I'm saying, like, they're not obligated to return. And I would say more times than most, like, most people are like, I get it. You're upset. You're having a time, whatever. Right. And, and these are, like, more behavioral things, like how my words come across. Like, it's never anything. I don't think I've ever, like, hit anybody or gotten into fights or gotten into legal trouble. I think the only, no, 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 we'll go there. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Uh, but no, uh, long story short is basically like, if my words have done harm, I will do my best to be like, I didn't realize that. Or I'm sorry that you didn't feel like you had the space to express this to me sooner because obviously this is something that you've been holding in. Um, but if those folks don't want to come back, they don't want to come back. And that's, I have to accept that that's their decision and I have to keep moving. Like, and it's not an ego thing for me. I, I do become sad. However, I, it is what it is. Like, if that's what that person's version of like moving on and healing and having a healthy lifestyle, then great. I am happy for them, but I can't keep chasing after them because then that becomes harassment, especially if, if I'm, if I'm the inflictor of pain. Um, I do not run after or chase people or try to like pin them down saying like, I did everything in my power to be a different person because no, like that's not, well, yeah, that's, also, that ain't the vibe. Don't <laughs> re-traumatize it. someone, <laughs> like re-traumatizing someone while you are pursuing your journey to absolution is also trash, terrible behavior. <laughs> And I, I, I haven't done it, but I've seen other people do it. And I'm like, bro, you need to calm down. Bro is gender neutral yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro is gender neutral. It's, it's not a gender um, thing. But uh, I think about that a lot because I was like, you know, now it becomes how self-centered are you to still be centering yourself in the pain that you've caused for another person and -hmm. that's where i'm like so are you actually repentant or do you just want to have it be gone and feel better and then that becomes a yeah call it a day uh and depending on the levels of transgressions you know uh, you might not be able to do that so easily yeah, uh, I don't know. I think that's think... the term of like, how do you live with yourself? It's like, oof, ooh, how do you sleep at night? I'm like, how do you sleep at night? Yeah. Unless you've done something really, really bad. I'm curious to know, like, maybe this is a, maybe this might be for the chat if anybody's willing to share. Um, but I wonder how people who have like felony charges or like misdemeanors or like, serious issues that prevent them from going into different spaces like public spaces because of the crimes committed i wonder how they navigate after leaving their their time in like you know jail or prison i can touch on it briefly um because i am somebody who has been um exposed to so many different people in so many different walks of life just growing up, I have been around people who are felons. I've been around people who just never got caught. And they're open about the fact of, you know, so much of what I've done, I, I would be a felon three times over. Um, and this is why I behave the way that I behave now, because, you know, I looked at what I was doing 
And I saw that I was doing this out of like survival or what I was shown and it's not what I want to do. A lot of people will turn to religion um, for that absolution and for that um, guidance. And it's like, I don't, so that's where I'm just like, I don't knock religion for that. I knock organized religion just for like some of the, the heinous crimes and, and behavioral things that happen internally and people who use it as a scapegoat, right? People who are just like, oh, like it's fine. I did fine. this thing and now God says it's fine. And now God says it's fine, so okay. But they don't actually do anything to repair the damage that they've done, um, wild. But I've, I've had people come to me um, and talk about how that stint or that time, everything that they went through, they saw all the darkness in it and saw that it really did not grow them the way that they thought it was going to. That, you know, their goals and the way they went about it, <clears throat> it wasn't worth it. And so it's like they, at least for some of the people that I know, they're just like, I wouldn't have wanted to associate with myself. And they feel like, well, like I'm not a good person or I have so much good to do to make up for the bad. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to. Um, we've had some of those conversations, which is like, oh, that's heavy. And I don't know what to do with it, but I can be like, all right, well, in this at this time, at this point in time, or in the, the year or so that I've known you, I've only ever known you to respond this way and to do these good works. And so in this instant and moment of time, you are someone who has been reformed mm -hmm. through your own decisions, through your own making. Nobody's forcing you to be kind. Nobody is forcing you to take care of people. Nobody's forcing you. That is something that's coming from your internal moral direction and guidance. And I think then at that instance, I'm like, you are a good person. Mm -hmm. So I think just knowing that reform is possible and talking, I don't think we talk enough about um, bonds of trust and, you know, standing within yourself. We talk so much about external validation and, you know, people will treat you this way, but it's really like, okay, but how will you feel about yourself? Right. Yeah. I think that's a whole different subject about external validation. I hit heavy. Um, Cause I feel that, that there's a lot of human behavior that reflects external validation. Like everything that you do is dependent on like the sample of people that you're surrounded, that you're surrounded with and to see how they feel about your actions. And it really, it really influences how we move. Um, I, I am someone who's very anti that, <laughs> especially on the romantic scale where most people really rely on romantic validation. And like, I feel like it's like one of the top things I've noticed that people do uh, to feel better as people. And I don't want to sound hypocritical because I am in a relationship, but like that relationship was not like built from needing validation that was built from learning somebody and knowing to how to be like in sync with them and to synchronize and to have a good time with them not trying to pick and choose somebody off the block from tinder 
because like I just need to be validated but that's a whole different can of worms that we don't want to open up because like we need to move on to other subjects (laughs) yeah we need to move on to other subjects I also feel like we are social animals right and because of just how culturally things are in the United States we are so individualized and so separated that the only type of like energy that we're expected to have is more romantic right we don't really put friendships and things on the same level um and even family relationships because the expectations that you leave your family and you get with someone romantic and you start your own as a nuclear you know format and um that kind of eradicates and erases some of the communal support and communal input and communal identities and validations that we have Um, which I think is just another tool of assimilation and colonialism. You're welcome. We're on that vibe all day. (laughs) Yes, yes. Moving along. (laughs) Moving along, yeah, because we'll we'll get stuck here. Um, Thanks for listening to our segment here on Power with Encourage, uh, owning up to mistakes. Please send us a little biddle if you guys have anything else to add on to that. Um, So I do believe we are, oh, we do have, um let's see we do have a call to action yes, um do. just give me a second while i bring it up um basically like we me and uh kylie were really into like you know trying to find local ways to uh re- rehabilitate ourselves um even folks who are in the on the mend of rehabilitation and just kind of like you know going on the up and up from the downs and downs so, uh, Kylie, do you mind if you kind of talk about um, their rescue mission for a second while I bring it up? Yes. So, Bay Area Rescue Mission, um, we had talked about the uh, housing crises a lot um, on this podcast because uh, we are all involved in nonprofits for a while. I specifically was involved in a nonprofit for housing. Um, and so, like, I keep my eye on things that are going around on in San Jose, specifically just because I spent so many years there, we spent so many years there, that community is important to us. Um, so when we hear about things going on, like, oh, you know, San Jose Mineta Airport is going to need their contracts to be redone. And in within that contract, that means that they're going to have to clear out um, you know, all of these people who have set up camps along the areas. Um, and when I mean set up camps, I mean, they, they've really built it up. They, they're not, it's not just, you know, tents. These are people who have built homes there, who have um, built resources for one another. And so displacing these people um, and clearing them out and just not giving them any options of where to go, it's it's such a heartbreaking thing to see. And so they're trying to clear, I want to say at least 300 plus people out of these communities and put them where is the question. Um, housing and funding has always been an issue. Um, and it's really the humane treatment um, because how do you justify just tearing somebody's whole life down and than just telling them, oh, well, fix it. Especially people that you know, literally you've taken away any last resource that they had. You've taken away the form of shelter that they had, they don't have an address. So how are they going to really apply 
for a lot of these services um, without somebody literally going to them in person and educating them on the options that are available. Some of the individuals that are there um, don't even speak English and will not have somebody that can communicate with them. And so they, they don't know what's happening. They're literally just being forcibly removed. And could you imagine what it would be like for somebody who has, you know, is just trying to survive? Like, yeah. could you imagine if someone was like, oh, we bought the land that your house is on like, sorry, you got to go and just like smashed all your stuff. Like didn't even pack it for you, just smashed it. Money. Just smashed your whole house and was like, mm -hmm. go ahead and move. Money is so no computer. Like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> so I, I want to highlight, um, this was actually a, a site or an org that um, Priorus has recommended that we show to the group uh, before yeah. we move on to our nerdy and dirty segment. Um, it's called Bay Area Rescue Mission. Uh, their slogan is love without limits. They are a, um, I believe, a, a religious-driven, um, speaking of religion, a religious-driven um, organization. Um, they do a lot of work with like providing meals, finding over 315 stays in different shelters uh, for the community in need. Uh, they have um, life transformation programs where they have folks who do like job searching and rehabilitation programs and making sure that there's somebody who's there for them, like a case manager. Um, and obviously there's other things like, you know, food, food pantries, which are always common within uh, different um, Bay or different uh, homeless organizations and transitional living. So um, it's really cool that there are passionate people in the community who um, are willing to say, well, if the city is not going to take care of the way that they should, then at least we can step in. And Bay Area Rescue Mission is one out of many, many different nonprofits in the Bay Area who do the work to um, to make sure that people are are secured and and on their way on the up and ups, like I, I said earlier. And so um, the thing is, though, with nonprofits, they do need funding. They do need grants. Luckily, there's a lot of philanthropy going on in the Bay Area, so they're not too—they're not struggling too much for that dime. Uh, but it always—it's uh, always nice to always throw a donation over um, if you are looking to support that community, and especially where the cost of living in the Bay is just getting super crazy high. Like, unfortunately, like, luckily, I—I'm one of the lucky folks that did not have to experience homelessness. However, I got pretty close, and it's because the cost of living in Santa Fe is so high. Like I was unable to find a place that was three times what I was making um, or not even three times, but I couldn't find something that would fit within like the standard requirements of living. And then there was also some places that thought I made too much money uh, to, to qualify for their high density housing. And so this was kind of a struggle for me and it sucked. Um, luckily I had friends who were there for me and that cared and helped me out when I needed it. But at the same time, it's, it, it messes with your soul when you can't even fend for yourself. And so, um, I really recommend trying to support those groups who are really trying to make a difference in other people's lives who are really doing their best, um, or trying to do their best. Um, we all know the reason why there's more crimes and, and things happen and evil things happening in the street is because of the lack of resources that are available. Sometimes people will have to subject themselves to, to certain 
methods because there's lack of resources. And so let's just making sure that we keep our resources living so that way people have a place to go to. Um, Kylie, is that fair for me to, to say? Is there anything? Yeah, no, 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 that's, that's perfect. Um, yeah, I, if I bring up anything more, it'll be a tangent. It'll take a lot more time. So like, no, that, that is perfect. What you have said, <laughs> icing cupcakes done. Yeah. <laughs> we're working on, we're working on our, uh, uh, what you would call it, making sure that, uh, we, we are consist, we're, we're concise. Our concision is good. Um, okay. Let's go ahead and transition to nerdy and dirty. Kylie, please oh, take my it away. Goodness. Speaking of cleaning things up, boom, 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 psh, two days nerdy and dirty topic. We are exploring the uh, sissy made kink. So this exists within the cross-dressing kink in the BDSM community. This exists within the sub kink of the BDSM community. Um, sissy made is the act of typically a man dressing up is a in a pretty freely made outfit and cleaning and serving for their dominatrix for their lady uh for their partner because again i feel like uh, a lot of what is explored in these types of kink spaces is gender roles um and so I think it, it, it spans more along the line of speaking within like masculine and feminine energy, right? Because at least from what I was reading and from what I've seen, um, you know, you'll have people who are, especially if you're a man, the pressures of, you know, feeling like you need to constantly have this like high level of either, um, productivity of um, masculine energy, whether it be like make all the decisions, which again, I think is funny. I'm like, where did that come from? Because no, nay, stop it. <laughs> nay. This is some white colonialist bullshit of like, ah, yes, the men will make all of the decisions and you will just, you know, sit pretty and not have to worry, oh, um, which we all know is false. This is a lie. This doesn't actually exist. Um, so you have this space that allows you to explore um, and allows you to like take care and um, play with the idea of domesticity, play with the idea of serving. Um, but also I really liked, at least there's a few different articles where um, men were talking about, you know, it's the fact that they feel like women just don't get enough respect. The fact that they um, is that like now, overcompensating. Yeah, it kind of is, but like in a really great way. But also of like, oh, I'm also very tired of this dynamic that is set up. It's toxic, and like, can you take the reins, please? Like, it's giving me like House Husband, that anime. Yeah, I love Remember it. That anime. <laughs> I love it so much. It but is it's not it's like, like it's not like the original photo that I have here on the on the. <laughs> <laughs> Because he literally goes out of his way to like care for his like wifey, and I'm just but like also like that. This is the, so this is the broader um, concept that I really love that this kink brings to the conversation, which is like when did like being an actual like caring 
partner become the kink become like that's so subversive to norm culture like it's so normalized to just treat your people like trash that when you actually care for them it's a kink what the fuck i'm gonna care for my lady i'm gonna do all the things that she asked me to do i'm gonna wash the dishes i'm gonna take the trash out i'm gonna make sure this is a beautiful fucking space for her to exist in and wow 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 what a kink what i don't i don't what happened to just having the standard of just picking up after yourself as a person I don't know. I mean, but also there's there's like the fun aspect or of being like courteous, you know, like just having like a good balance. Like if if I cook dinner, Cash cleans it, cleans the dishes, or if if Cash cooks dinner, I clean the dishes. Like it's just like I don't. But anyway, I'm sure there's 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 women out there who like to feel like they're being some sort of commander, right? Like as a king. Yeah. As a, as a kink um i also think this um idea of Sometimes submission not even a kink but go on well well because right like i i think of like kink and bdsm and things like that as is difficult necessarily to have exist in that space 24 7 without being extremely privileged um just because i'm like all right if this like bills do still have to be paid and so you know, this is why it's like, Wait, oh, this is a kink. Paying bills is a kink? Yeah, no, that is totally a kink. Is that uh, like a sugar daddy thing? Or like a cash pig thing, or just like, just cash give pig? me more. Yes, Girl, baby. what? That's a whole other episode. You're welcome. <laughs> the whole like a other piggy episode. bank? We're talking like about cash mates. pig, piggy bank? Like, is that the, yes. is that the cross? Yes. Oh, yes. boy. Oh, oh yeah. goodness me. Give give me the money and they're happy to do so. Um provide. Which is funny. Uh but no, sissy, sissy maids. We're on the sissy maid kink today. Um the outfits. I really like how both clop and smug are like, I don't understand. <laughs> we don't understand. I was like, wait, I'm not on the, the twitches, so I cannot see the comments, but uh which part we not understand. Um the I think the ideas that we have around maid, right, and subverting that, like, French maid idea of, like, oh, and we see it, I think one of my favorite portrayals is, like, of course, American Horror Story, where... Oh, that's right. Right? Because not yeah. only does it play... Let me see with, if I can find that image. Right? Not only does it play with this idea of sexiness and femininity in association to cleaning and being subservient in a sexual way. It also plays with the idea of ageism because that particular character in American Horror Story, she's, I mean, A, she's dead. <laughs> but she's, well, she <laughs> Technically, like, she, she dead. <laughs> Technically, she dead. But they, they switch between showing the young version of her and showing the old version of her and many different like stages in between with the milky eye and the gray hair and it's like okay so are you still sexualizing her in this way um are the expectations that you're putting on her as a human being still the same once she is taken out of this realm of what you feel is like immediately sexually acceptable um and so i think also the sissy made uh kink 
really gets to allow like men to explore that in a way um and to kind of like see what parts of themselves they can soften or even harden <laughs> not harden not harden uh yes harden but also like the idea that kinks don't necessarily not all aspects of kinks are sexual there's many aspects of kinks that just deal with the boundaries of identity that we process or that we're allowed to express mm-hmm. getting gussied putting on makeup putting on that frilly outfit learning the actual skills um i think learning the actual skills someone uh in some of the articles that I was reading about said that the most fascinating part for them of this kink was actually learning the skills because when they were growing up the those domestic skills were not taught to them the cooking you know they didn't have cooking courses that, yeah because there was like the gender expectation of yeah. like I'm a dude like I'm if a we're dude. speaking yeah if we're speaking on the binary I'm a dude I don't do that shit my mom does yeah, exactly. Or so it's like learning how to do laundry, learning how to do this, learning how to do that. And they were like, you know, this is a really empowering experience as well for me to to learn these things. But also it puts into perspective the effort that it takes to maintain a home. And the fact that like the respect is just not given, even though so these are like a good thing. Like it's a retroactive yeah. like like fuck yes. It's retroactive, right? Like, so our culture does not, does not, (laughs) on the binary, our culture does not teach men how to do these, like, basic home upkeepy things unless, like, the the stereotype is unless you're gay, you know how to do these things. Um, But also, like, I'm curious to know if, like, if this kink is actually a way to, like, just teach men how to do just standard things around the house. I like to think of it as what sexy home act. But like, it's what just, if it doesn't turn into a kink and it just turns into a whole independent ass man? Like, yes, like they just that, say like, that oh, is the goal. I don't need that this is woman the anymore that is to a tell kink me what to do. Itself. Like, I just want to live all myself now. Like, I know how to do my own laundry. I can wear my own apron. Like, I want octopuses when she wants hearts. I want my own goddamn... Sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> Or you're like liberate the sissies like I can't stand Lib- you yeah no that's what <laughs> you don't need that mom you can do it all on your own there is girl. no kink there's no kink here <laughs> there's no kink. I love you you're free you're free young you're man free. <laughs> no I I love it I think it's like a sexy home ec I think um as adults also there is just an aspect of like when you learn things, you make them engaging and you make them fun and sex is a great motivator. Now, I'm not saying that physical acts of sex necessarily have to be there, but I think that having the tension just makes things fun. Having it be flirty just makes it fun. And it's within a space where boundaries are already established. And that's something that I've also learning so much about in the King community is a lot of these um, relationships that are formed there's so much conversation around what boundaries will be crossed, what won't be crossed, what touch is acceptable, what touch is not acceptable. Um, and I think even the process, that literal process, is so highly educational for each individual mm-hmm. in discovering who they are in that journey. And that's why I love kink. That's why I love BDSM, because it's literally giving you the options to explore yourself 
Um, and it, it gives access to people that maybe couldn't afford to take the psychology lessons and couldn't afford to go to therapy. And this is just another way of doing that. So uh, Smug had a comment in the chat, by the way, he said, um, or they said, uh, how can a man be out on his own and not know how to do these things already, though? That's my ultimate question. And if they can't take care of themselves, how are they a catch short of someone needing that kink of taking care of others? I think this was me trying to liberate the kinks. Or I mean, liberate the sissies. Liberate sissies. I mean, all of those valid freaking points. I don't know how they have made it. I, I don't I don't know. Other than literally being told that like a woman will cater to you or a partner will cater to you. I think which, this is just like the extremisms of Yeah. Of like nuclear bull crap. Yeah, like I'm an eighties housewife or sixties housewife, whatever. I was like eighties. I don't Madonna. think I'm eighties. <laughs> I think Madonna was trying to. I think Madonna was trying to liberate everybody. I think I got my decades wrong. A decades awry. The eighteen eighties. <laughs> that's okay. Apparently, the nineties are now vintage. So. Oh my God, they're so vintage. Uh, oh, we have birthday shoutouts. Oh yes, we have birthday shoutouts. Happy Speaking birthday. of happy. Yeah. Happy birthday. Proud isn't here today because there's a little king who has his birthday today. Let me actually take off the nerdy and dirty thing. So we're yeah, not we're no have nerdy his birthday over we have wrapped layover. up the nerdy dirty. There's no dirt. We're just nerds. Um oh thank you for exploring with us. This was the smoothest transition we've ever had from one topic to another. <laughs> we're not gonna associate this young man with this. No, I think not. he's a wonderful young man. Yes, we do. Oh my God. He is being raised to be an independent individual who definitely knows how to wash his hands, his laundry, clean some things, support his queens, support mainly his mama. Yeah. Mainly Mama's mama. the main queen. I, I, I love their love. It's so nice. It's yes. so sweet. Yes. I 100% agree. Yeah. So happy birthday, little Sean. <laughs> little Sean's a testament. No, Shondilla. That's yeah, his nickname. It's Shondilla. <laughs> oh my gosh. Shout out to Auntie Shubs. Shout out Shubs. Look at the influence that you are having in the community. Shondilla. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yes. He is he is coming through. Oh look, Prowers is in the chat. Prowers is in the chat. <laughs> Happy birthday, little Sean. Yeah, I I, um, you know, I, he's just, every time we have our planning sessions, it's so funny. Like he, I sometimes hear him in the background, like being little cutie smart to his mom. <laughs> and then like, then Prowers is trying her best to just like keep her cool on the call <laughs> because she doesn't want to like pop off when he's being a smart, a smart aleck. <laughs> like excuse me while I put on my parenting hat real quick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me gather the children gather them <laughs> gather the chit the chitlins but yes no he's, he's becoming a, such an extinguished gentleman and I I'm excited to see what's in store for this young man as he grows into the the man that he will become <laughs> all right um 
let's go ahead and move along to our actual nerdy segment. Um, whew, nerdy. Um, we were, we were planning on talking about D23 because that was an award ceremony that happened for Disney. I didn't have a chance to watch any of that. So if anybody has any, you know, little segments that they want to share from the, the Disney Expo, please do. Um, I had a friend of mine go to that. He actually stood in line <laughs> to see to see some of the, the, the releases that were happening. I did see a Mufasa release, which... I'm kind of excited to see the backstory of Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa! Mufasa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Whoopi Mufasa. Goldberg, like, killed that role, dude. Oh my gosh, she did. I love her so much. Oh. Yeah, she's she's just incredible. Um, yes. I, I'm trying to figure out what are we talking about here. Yes, yeah, so nerdy. Lord nerdy. of the Rings, if we can't talk about. Oh yeah, I did a whole Lord of the Rings marathon. Yeah, so I rewatched Lord of the Rings, um, Lord of the Rings. Lord um, of the Rings. I think my watching it with an adult eyes, eye scope because I didn't watch it when I when I first watched Lord of the Rings, I was very young. I was like, I felt like a kid, um, and I've actually might have been a kid. I might have been like in middle school or something like that. I don't remember. It was so long ago. But there was a lot of concepts I couldn't like understand of the things that they were talking about because of the language that was happening. And so I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, apparently Erwin is like really like hot and like Aragorn has the hots for her. And then there's this other girl who is not an elf named Erwin who also has the hots for Aragorn. And he's just like, nope. Not about it, but I keep calling Aragorn Aragorn, like the dragon from that book. Right, I was like, wait, Aragorn's the dragon, Aragorn. <laughs> I was fucking up Your the name, so I finally remembered El Elrond's name, but it took me like five movies to remember. Elrond. Um, I love the now because like the rings of power out are you going to be watching that series uh, yes i think i'm going to try to watch that series okay uh, so i got geeked when i saw that you were watching doing like a lord of the rings rewatch because i was like ooh, veronica is powering up for rings of power and what what a time right on time right after we had gone through that whole tobacco 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 with um, the Black Fay Day, with you know people giving pushback on people of color and fantasy, which get over it, get get, get all the way over it. Um, so this was like right on time. Black elves, black dwarves, like brown dwarves, brown elves, brown hobbits. It's so good. It's so good. And the storytelling, the the cinema, like the, they put serious money behind this because the cinematography is on point. Um, the storytelling, chef's kiss, the the fantasy, it is giving. Um, I am a huge, huge, huge Lord of the Rings fan. It's like my it's my fandom. It's one of those things that like, ah, the, some of the most positive memories I have of my family are tied to Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? And yeah, because, you know, they, it was like the, that was my bedtime stories when I was younger, when I had them. And they would do all the voices. And then it was something that my brother and I could bond over. Uh, my brothers literally made like rock songs about Lord of the Rings. We are nerds. Like it's oh, a he's thing. nerdcore reggae. He's nerd like wait no like nerd reggae rock. is nerd, that a thing? Nerdcore reggae. This nerd is like nerdcore reggae. Rock. 
which already exists. There's a lot of Lord of the Rings metal. It, it it's a genre. Ray that nerd. Nerdcore. I'm trying to figure out how to mush the names. <laughs> how to mush? Like, what is this mix match? What is this crossover? Um, so yeah, I I've watched the first two episodes. I'm really considering opening up because I've got uh, like those giant model packs of different Middle Earth characters and just like melanating the crap out of them. Who knows? Yeah, I. the white. That's what I want. gonna have like I mean the pushback that's going on with like the the Ring of Power, which by the way I'm. I haven't started any of it, so no spoilers, please. No but, spoilers. Um, There's no spoilers. It's just excellence. Just excellence. Yeah, no, but like folks were just like ethnicity. And I'm just like, why are we so upset about this still? Like the whole point of protesting and bringing this up is to present this more in media. Like it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise that people fight for their their right to have a centered character that doesn't need to be like a traumatic character in media like they could just be part of the story as a main character without having to bring the attention of their of their ethnic background like just let it in a land of wizards elves and dragons does the color of your skin really matter like what yeah Like, like like does it does it and then also we need to keep remembering like our our skin (laughs) i don't know why people forget this but like if you're from a land with different types of terrain (laughs) you're gonna have like specific skin types that have a that have evolved from that terrain like you know if you're a person of the snow i'm not saying everybody's from the snow but like the whole the common the common perception is like you're gonna might have lighter skin because there's less sun and blah 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 and how you need to adapt and blah 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 right whereas like if you're from hotter regions of course your skin is gonna be darker because you're melanated this is what our skin does when we're under the sun a bunch and like evolution and blah 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 so like I don't know why like this is just me kind of like spouting this into the universe but it's like like first of all this is this is a land of different cultures and different areas and different species. So like of course there's going to be different skin tones based off of like what region these people are from and how they're trying to depict them in fat in fantasy. Like it's not just going to be a whole story of like just white people. Like please be conscious of such, I guess. Sorry, Kylie, go on. No, that that was perfect. Um which I was also, I think it's funny. I was like, no, there are like black and brown people where it snows. Um, oh, totally. Like I wasn't dismissing you know, that, but like the no, no, I know you weren't, yeah. but I do like, I do think it's funny because like sometimes people will be like, oh yeah, like yeah, it, it's possible to have a like snowy place and see people that are brown because it's the the light is refracting and mm-hmm. there's, there's melanin. Like it's just so sometimes I think we we do get so caught up in like social constructs of race that we forget mm-hmm. like literal adaptations for survival over the eons. Darwin, this is why education is so important and why examining schools of thought are so important because it'll influence like I think 
pseudoscience comes to mind of you know people talking about like eugenics and things like that or like trying to prove that one race is better than another when it's just like you've just developed differently because you had different environmental challenges this has nothing to do with mental capacity this has nothing to do with value um on life or it should not um this is literally just excuses for you know violence and colonialism which we're not standing Nope. not we're not nope. doing it um so yeah <laughs> fantasy super yeah. excited fantasy yeah i by the way i i got a lot of feedback from different people who were like you're not gonna like the hobbit movies i actually had a good time watching the hobbit movies. i was like i like the hobbit movies uh, billy and killy are like my favorite bays like right <laughs> like i love those two Bilbo is so like curmudgeon-y at the beginning. It's just great. He's curmudgeon-y the whole time. He's curmudgeon-y the whole time. And then it's so funny to like compare that version of Bilbo with like the later party hardy version of Bilbo that you get from like Lord of the Rings. And, but he wasn't like, really party hardy. He was still like, get off my line. No visitors. Like he well, still hated like, oh, everybody. People keep trying to come in and steal all my stuff. Because at this point, you got to think also like he's super old. Like he just doesn't look it. And he's so. under the possession of the ring, which the ring is <laughs> like the ring is actively talking to him in black. He's getting, he's getting <laughs> real sneakily. He's getting Like, don't talk to me. The ring tells me you're in danger, but I can't tell you that I have the ring because I lied to Gandalf. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, I can't wait for you to watch Rings of Power. Like, oh, Gandalf. Oh, like the parallels they draw. Like, no spoilers. Um, but they definitely did like some beautiful fan service without um, without uh, jeopardizing any of the storyline. So I, I'm here for it. Just like even the casting was so good. <sighs> Cannot say enough good things. Yeah, well, I believe you. Yes. I'm glad that I saw all the movies before venturing into the series. I And also, uh, here's my ignorance. I didn't realize that there was going to be a series released when I ventured into rewatching all the Lord of the Rings movies. I just did it because it was Labor Day weekend. I'm like, oh, I haven't sat down and watched all these because I know they're, they're a time commitment. Like, each movie is like four hours long. So, <laughs> and beautifully done. Like, the pacing is very correct for these movies like it doesn't feel rushed it doesn't feel one-dimensional there's a lot of depth that leaves your mind with a lot of imagination which i do appreciate from the series as a whole um but yes and then i guess the last thing i will make mention of is i did watch dragon ball superhero which was basically a dragon ball z episode which is shorter um First of all, uh, again, shout out to Zeno, Zeno, uh, Childish Gan, but that's his username on Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to butcher his name because now it's, it just escaped me. I want to call him Zeno Robinson and I think that's his name. And now I'm fucking shit up because I am the worst person in the world. Um, ah, yes, it is Zeno, it is Zeno Robinson. Okay. I just didn't want to accidentally fictionalize his name when that's not really the case. <laughs> well look at you taking accountability <laughs> look at you correcting actions backpacking look at it you look are... at me um yeah so action. i did watch dragon ball superhero it was really it was really fun to watch with cash um basically this the story is 
um, the Red Ribbon Army comes back. They have a they have a guy that they just got out of um, out of jail who is like Doctor Jerome's grandson um, or nephew. Can't remember, but he's also kind of like a little curmudgeon who's like a super genius and wants to have all these different experiments and make it work out for him. While the Red Ribbon Army is trying to take advantage of him to defeat Goku and get rid of Capsule Corp. Um, but really, the story was about Piccolo trying to get Gohan to fight again. Um, and that was kind of heartwarming because, you know, you see Piccolo in the first sequence just like training Pan, who in the movie says that she is three years old and she's just adorable. Um, and then Piccolo going above and beyond and making strategic choices to make sure that Gohan stops studying and actually goes out there and fights and trains and does the thing again. So like even like what, what was one, spoiler alert, one of the funnier scenes was like how... I think it was Bulma saying that Piccolo should wish the evil away so they don't have to deal with it. And then Piccolo's like, no. <laughs> because he wanted Gohan to, like, to fight. He wanted oh, Gohan to fight. No. <laughs> so, Stop it, Piccolo. I was like, oh, Piccolo, you're doing such a great job as a father. And I was like, wait, no. Look, problematic. We're all problematic. Piccolo, you could have made better choices. <laughs> the, theme, the theme of Dragon Ball Z is basically like, or not Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z was like, shit, we have to save the world and we have to take this serious. And everything in Dragon Ball Super is basically been like, oh, we just want to fight just to fight. We want, we're about to catch these hands. Who cares if Earth gets destroyed? We'll make the fucking gamble. They, they have a problem. <laughs> the whole Z Force has a problem. <laughs> Especially that's Goku. Z-Force. I feel like that's the era we're in right now. We're like, wait, no, stop. <laughs> They're just wanting stop to catch it. hands just to catch hands. Like, they just, they don't care. They just, they're like, there's a fight, and oh, and Gohan's not part of the crew because he wants to be a fucking bookworm. Like, we need to get him fighting, too, because he was supposed to be the strongest man on Earth, Gohan and then he to decided, the to be, he decided to be a PhD student instead. <laughs> it, the streets it, are calling you, Gohan! <laughs> the streets are calling... That's basically what that movie was about. The streets are calling Gohan, like, right now. Oh... Uh... It was good. It was good. Um, but I do recommend anybody who has been part of the Dragon Ball lore their whole life, please watch it. It's great. Anybody who's just getting into it, it might be a little hard for you to understand the nuance. Um, so it is kind of gatekeepy, but that's just your heads up there. Um, other than that, let's go into closing, uh, closing parts here uh, since we are about to take off. Um, Big Move Monday. Yes, Big Move Monday. Um, we are going to celebrate Megaran and his action figures tour. Um, Megaran, as always, is always on tour. Uh, he doesn't stop. He'll never stop. Uh, Can't he stop. Just, Won't stop. He just, <laughs> he's just going to keep doing the thing. Um, I am taking... The less problematic P. Diddy of the nerd core world. Don't call him P. Diddy. I think he deserves better. <laughs> I think he deserves better. You're t- I can't stand you. Um, but yes, check out uh, his action figures tour. He will be doing this in mostly in the Midwest um, exclusive tour merch. He will have the following with him. Uh, Slow Funk Dust, Tunny the Great, and micro- Microphone Misfit. Um, one of those guys, I believe, he... What I really, by the way, before I go on, I really appreciate that whenever Megaran does a tour, he always brings a unique set of folks with him. And it's usually folks that he's already, like, collaborated with. Um, 
And so he keeps it interesting. Like it's never like the same folks unless it's always like a tour with him, MC Lars or MC Front a lot. But those are just more of like a collective thing. Like it's like the Four Horsemen or the Mount Rushmore of Nerdcore. So like there's kind of like the the old headness of Nerdcore that when he when these tours happen, because they are they are the OGs, like let's be real. Um, but whenever Red Rand does a new tour, he always has like a new set of folks that come with him and they and it's just great exposure for them to meet new people and like you know it's it's just what he does he just always has a new hang and it's always a good hang um so we have slope funk dust who's from tampa florida penny the great who's from arizona and microphone misfit who is from chicago um so go ahead if you're in those regions go check that out um a fun thing that i read about the microphone misfit is like if you go into his website and you read his bio i really like how he acronymed hip-hop which is basically healthy independent people helping other people because they have a passion for being compassionate for others and i really love that so it's really nice to see that uh hip-hop has a sense of transforming the culture from what people think it is to actually a healthier environment. And so that's that's something that I dig and I salute you, sir, for taking the reins on that. Um, Kylie, do you have any comments on such? Yes. Um, like I hear all the time, like this feedback of like people not giving hip hop a chance because they only have negative associations with it. Um, and that, that like, it really does hurt me um, because I'm just like, well, you really don't understand where hip hop has come from and like where we're seeing hip hop go now, at least in the mainstream, it's not very representative of the culture as a whole in terms of like people telling their stories and it's supposed to be like real. It's supposed to be people like sharing their experiences, people who traditionally have had marginalized voices, like this is the outlet that you have. Um, and it's not always negative. Like there's a lot of positive things in there. Conscientious hip hop has been around forever since the beginning and that those are the beginnings, you know? Um, and so to see like people like Megaran bringing these types of individuals along with him for the exposure, uh, like it really just, it touches my, my heart. It makes me so happy. And what's really nice is like, or not nice, but what's kind of, what's really cool is that these folks are already well established in their own hip hop scene. So they're not new to doing this. They've been doing this for a long, long time. I think it's just having that geographical pull because now that hip hop is so robust, it's, it's not like Tupac or Biggie where everybody knows who they are. It's more like even at each region in the United States has their, their hometown heroes of hip hop. Like, Seattle has theirs, Arizona has theirs, the Bay Area has theirs, Chicago, like name it all. Like it, it's just really nice how kind of these hip hop areas have become kind of like hip hop kingdoms where it, that's where people hail from. It's just like, how much do you go out there to popularize yourself and, and get out there? Cause like sometimes like making music, it's not the most, you don't make a lot of money from it, but, but it's always nice to kind of share your talents and share your story when you have these opportunities to go do these tours. Um, but yes, uh, yes to all of that. Um, did you have any other comments, Kyla, before we move along? Money, 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 money. <laughs> Just money. Show me the money. Just money. 
And then oh, I guess God. another thing that we can shout out, and it's not part of our Big Move Money, but it's part of our self promos. Progress is not here today, uh, but that's okay. She's hanging out in the chat. Um, she said, I think she said it was okay for us to publicize this, right? Yes. About, about do you want to do you want to go ham on it? No, you go ham. I go ham. Okay. You go so ham. So Grind Proof, as you guys love and know, are our favorites. Um, Shubs, Mark Cooper, Bill Beats and Progress of Testament, they are actually on their way of creating a collaborative album. I'm excited for it. They're finishing up the last touches, the last mixes, uh, making sure they, they, they put in where they need to harmonize, um, whatever that they gotta do to make things work for this album. I don't know what the process is, but I'm sure it's gonna be really dope because I know, I believe that both Bill, Bill Beats and, um, and Mark Cooper are mostly producing it. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, with the vocals from Shubs, Progress, and Mark. Um, so I'm curious to see what their project is like. I, I've listened to Mark's projects before, and they've always been entertaining to listen to. Like, his Player One album is still fun to listen to. Uh, so fun. Yeah, lots of voice acting in that, and also Prowess is in that, too. As, right? Um, well, Prowess, Pink Ranger, her verse on Pink Ranger. I, I, we've got to give her some light and some shine because it was so good. And what I, what I really loved about what she brought to that verse is just like, so, um, the guys, they're, they're, always, they're killing it. They're always killing it. Right. Uh, and talking about always killing it. Never stop. Don't it. stop. <laughs> Can't stop. Won't stop. Don't stop. In terms of just like how they are talking about the fandom, there's a lot of like, Ooh, niche things if like you were a real fan of the show like and you actually watched um and then prowess like brings this verse that like really brings life to the character and really takes it out of this i don't want to say like two-dimensional three-dimensional like takes it from just being like the pink ranger in her role um as a fighter but also like really brings like this death to her just as a woman as well and just like as a whole person she was and just a goddess like, like yeah let's like, be real like, like that was just really, like just a goddess savage energy to it which i think is great because so many people associate pink with just being like soft and fluff and like not really like getting being able to get in there and throw down with the guys and okay but she, listen though oh sorry go on i'm getting excited. no but like she, she like gets it done you know what i mean like she's got the like the most savage savagery balls happening and it's like it's just like it takes the power it's great yeah yeah absolutely uh she was very ethereal in player one i will say that um but yes i'm excited for this album i don't know i don't know what to expect so it's just gonna be like one of those things i'm just gonna sit down listen and take it in um and so um i don't have any projected dates of when the release is but when it is i'm sure they will all shout it into the universe so uh please yeah. keep, please keep yourselves um engaged with such other than that i think i'm good i don't have anything to promo i'm boring right now so that's good kylie what about you <laughs> Uh, I am still just on the ventures of building the business. Um, uh, the next step for me is like just being able to work out of state. So I'm going to be a bookworm and just put my nose into the spine of the books. 
Great. And then I'll be ready to get back out in the world and fight. All right. Let's go. Want to close this out? Thank you for joining us here on another episode of Lady Blurreds Sings the Blues. This has been an amazing ride, an amazing discourse. Um, sometimes the prowess of testament here with us in the chat. We always appreciate all of our family in the chat. Um, you can find us on all of your podcasting. Ria is so much better at this than I am at closing out. You can uh, find you us can in all the podcasts on your favorite RSS feed. Let's go. Right? <laughs> Ladies, let's see we're not Ladies, graceful. This is fine. We don't have to be refined. We have we've had better. The worn off. The coffee is worn off. Yeah, I can't wait to jump into mine. Really. Yes. Yes, jump into it. But yes, follow us, please. Uh, give us your feedback. We always appreciate the interaction. Um, and until next time. Oh, boy. Boy. Boy.